2: hello and welcome to the roper report exiles podcast in association with Hawkes breweries my name is richard Spear, and i'm speaking to you from the windy wilds of snowdonia so if you hear some sound effects in the background you know why and we're in a positive mood today. Something just storming away at the top of the league, at the top of the third tier, unbeaten and scoring for fun. But unfortunately, this pod won't be focusing on Melray's wonderful, dynamic young ladies team. That's for another pod. And you can also read match reports that Graham's been doing on the Rock Report website. Three one win against Loughborough on Sunday was uh, good to see. Unfortunately, we'll be covering the men's team today. Joining me down the line from Lincoln, we have John Stacey. You all right there, mate?
3: Yeah, I'm all right. I'm as positive as I can be. On a personal level, I'm all right. On a football level, other than all right. No,
2: I'm sure we'll be hearing a bit more about that in
3: a minute. <laughs> and
2: we've also got um, Chris Wynn from Sheffield. You're right, Chris? you
4: all right, Rich? No, no, Thanks. No so That's
2: so good. Thanks for standing in that last minute, last minute call up. Yeah, no Someone was injured in the uh, warm up and uh, <laughs> you, you've taken this place. And uh, Super soap. Yeah, absolutely. And some might call him the Colchester Casanova. We've got Bomber from Gloucester. How are you, mate? Meh. meh. I'm all right.
4: I'm all right. Similar to John. Uh, anything other than the football, I'm all right. Football-wise, just
2: meh. Yeah, I think we're all a bit like that. <laughs> yeah. So, John, you were at the match last night, uh, yeah. along with Danny Roberts, off the pod as well. Uh, mm-hmm. A little Lincoln trip up to Scunthorpe. How how was Tuesday night in an empty Scunthorpe ground? Uh,
3: very cold. Um both in emotions and physicality. It was, yeah, it was a bit dead. It was probably about, I'd say, about a third full of the whole ground, as in, like, there was one side completely empty. The sort of terrace side of the Scunny fans was probably about, I don't know, a quarter full. The Way fans, obviously, were all in one place, so it sounded and felt like there was more of us there, but it was probably about even, actually. It started off pretty well in good spirits, really, from from a fan's point of view. We were all laughing and singing songs and it was quite loud there was for some reason because Burge started down our end we were just shouting Lee Burge over and over and over again and and he loved it and he was clapping and stuff and yeah it just sort of went downhill a bit I think the highlight of the whole night was that Danny was stuck next to um what can only be described as as somebody who requires um looking after because he was mental. <laughs> um, and he was just screaming and starting chants. And you could start him off with like the smallest thing, and it was brilliant. And I just kept kept egging him on, and he was writing down his ear. It was brilliant. But yeah, terrible, terrible game. Let's talk about the football. Let's get it out of the way. It, it wasn't nice to watch. Um, I've said it a couple of times today. It was probably the worst game of football from a Sunderland point of view, from a supporting your team point of view that I've ever seen. I've played in Sunday League where... I've seen majority of the team playing better than what I saw our team play. I'd go as extreme and as honest as that. That's not, that's not me exaggerating. There was a good seven or eight of the players that looked like they didn't want to be there, walking about, not doing much at all. And when they were doing it, it was you know wayward passes. It was looking around aimless. It was going backwards. It was slow. And it was the same old story as you all know who's seen it and, and watched it on watched it on whatever parasitic stream you wanted to watch it on, but. <laughs> Yeah, it was basically horrific. Um, so, not, not many positives to take away from it at all, really.
2: I was listening on the radio and Barnsley and Benno were were as unhappy as I'm sure most people who follow Sunderland are. Just at,
3: at that performance level, at well, that well, lack I of... Feel, I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for anyone having to report on the game because if even if you're trying to be a neutral, but you obviously have a leaning towards Sunderland, which obviously they do when they're reporting on Sunderland in that respect, like... Just me being there and just thinking about, you know, starting off. We were chatting about the game. It was, you know, we were sort of like, like as you do in the stands, you chatting to your mates and stuff like that. Towards the end, sixty minutes, probably maybe even fifty minutes in, I just literally—I've never been so silent in my life. As you lot know, I'm not that silent as a person, no. but <laughs> <laughs> but frankly, I was never—I've never been so silent. I didn't want to talk. I just couldn't even look. I was at times. I was thinking, where can I look where it's not this dire pitch of football it was horrible it was painful um, I think
4: that's that's even worse though John isn't it like when, when you get to a stage where you're not even angry about it anymore yeah. you're just literally not asked.
3: yeah I mean I went through a really brief angry phase I was screaming stuff I never get angry, for, angry from the stands I always I don't understand people like that you know effing and jeffing at the players and trying to rile them trying to get them to play better by being really horrible to them just seems weird but yeah. I was shouting stuff to the players that, that I've, I felt was just ridiculous like what Within, for about five minutes, I shouted things to Ledbetter, like, why are you going so slow? Obviously, in a bit more <laughs> of an aggressive way. Child. And, and things like that. And and it just felt like, this is redundant. Why am I bothering? Because A, he ain't going to care if he does it in me. B, it's not going to change. Even if I was right in his ear telling him, even if I was Philip Parkinson, he wouldn't bloody change what he was doing. It was ridiculous. It was, and I just, like you say, I just went from anger to oh, just nothing, like numbness, <laughs> weird. Because I think before the match,
2: not many people were that bothered about it, to be honest. I mean, my son, after this morning when he found out the result, went, oh, it's all right, we're out of the the checkertradeleasing.com
3: trophy. Didn't we want that? No, Um, this is it. I I disagree. Um, Sorry, Tom. I'm sure it's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I got a bit excited about it, not just because it's a local game, but more for two reasons, really. I, I saw it as an opportunity for a scalp to sort of go you Know batter them and get a bit of confidence, leading Just into the international talk, it's not break. a scalp, John. It's not Just a scalp, no, that's the wrong word, wrong word whatsoever. But you know, like, yeah, battering in, so you know, you lead into the international break and you've got a bit of confidence. Second reason was, you know, uh, and we keep saying this about sort of trial in teams and trial formations and stuff like that. I saw it as an opportunity for like continuance and like trying to see a bit of sort of regularity. So when I saw the team sheet and I saw that it was like a first team team, I was like, good. You know, because this is going to show what's happening and what what he wants to do going forward. It's not going to be an experiment. It's not going to be a load of fringe players, youth players, whatever. So I got kind of a bit excited, sat in the pub beforehand, getting, you know, the team come through. And then it was just all thrown in the bin, you know. What was the formation last night? Were we playing three in, in the middle? Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was, it didn't look, it, it looked like Ledbetter was in the middle on his own in a way of, You had Power and Dobson and they were supporting the wing play as in defensively and going forwards. It was like... Uh, it it just looked odd it was really weird there was no 10 there was a massive gap between midfield and McNulty they weren't really playing overlaps at all as you know they try and do with a 9 and Hume it was quite odd it was really odd and uh, you know there's there's an element of a sort of tiny bit of credit there to, to, to maybe Scunthorpe even though they were dire at times as well in that they kind of worked out quite quickly what to do for the key sort of tactics that we're trying to do we were playing it down sort of the old-fashioned inside left, inside right channels—you know the sort of in, inner channels—and they just always had two men there. You know what I mean? And it's like they just always managed to snuff it out. They did the exact opposite of what we did when they were going forward. They were bombing forward. They were they were putting numbers in positions, and we didn't. We had no response. It was, it was just yeah. It was really really poor on all angles really. John, there's, there's something I wanted to ask
4: you, right? Because I I didn't watch the game. I didn't follow it. I just saw the result. What? But f- for- uh, no I, did, I i didn't apart from the result i didn't follow it at all but to, to concede three goals to a team that's struggling in league two and i've seen that clip on twitter it, you know the it's been retweeted on the Roka report yeah. Twitter page about that, that, that kind of 20 second piece of defending which a bit where yeah aty- where
3: like
4: to concede three against that level of team playing like that with what is pretty much if we're being honest our
3: first choice back four yeah
4: you know, was it really that bad or was that?
3: Well, well, to be fair, to be fair, that, that clip and anything after the sending off and penalty to put a little spin of realism on it. It just went to part. It went, it went majorly to part before then. And actually, for five minutes before the penalty, we were actually starting to look a lot better. But there was no... It was the usual thing of no penetration, no shots, and no looking like that anything was going to happen, you know, to put the ball in the net. It was just we were looking better going forward and and passing. But yeah, the, the penalty... Was a penalty? You could see it. We were the other end of the ground. You could see it. I don't think it was a sending off because the rules actually state that if he's in the area, the last man rule goes. It's not unless it's it's a double jeopardy, isn't it? Yeah, double punishment. It shouldn't be a red. So the refs, you know, is usual. Refs are shit, aren't they? But yeah, that was terrible. But after that, there was. That's why it went to pot. So the, the the other two goals and pretty much everything that Scunthorpe did going forward after that, they looked like Brazil. Do you know what I mean? It was like. And that's—I don't think that's a slight on the team, as such. It's a slight of they were Sunderland were already shit, and having ten men just made them look even worse. And it did make them look like a bunch of pub pub players. Do you know what I mean?
4: That's was, exactly what it looked like though. That, that clip yeah. I saw. I know
3: it's only a twenty-second clip, but yeah, but I think I think touch with a bit of realism but that probably. Oh man, am I being too positive here? Am I mean, being a bit like no? <laughs> probably <laughs> wouldn't have happened if we had eleven players. I don't think it would have gone anywhere near as bad oh I don't know
4: four players that, that just from that clip those four or five players around the ball I don't care if you've got 11 that, or that 10 players fear. on the pitch
3: that was fear you could see it you could see yeah. it on their eyeballs it was fear they were going to get sent off it was fear they were going to give away another penalty and and that in itself is I don't know what that means there's so many sort of arguments there aren't there like is it poor refereeing is it people fearing? Playing the actual game because the referees are crap. Is it that you know you see your colleague sent off a couple of minutes before you just automatically not putting your foot in anymore? But that lad on the left, that Isa Abu Isa, he was terrible, and he was made to look like he was Raheem Sterling. Do you know what I mean? It was ridiculous. Yeah. Well, That's
0: what pace does to us. Any yeah. sort of pace against us, uh, we we're just we just can't handle it, and we haven't done for a few years. And and last night, I mean, even we can talk tactics and you know Parkinson trying things like Ledbetter. Holden with Dobson in power, trying to do all the running for him and all that sort of stuff. But I think from the off, it was just clear that it was Scunthorpe. It was during the week. It was called. The players have, you know, they're on a bad run. The confidence is low. And none of them wanted to be, none of them wanted to play in that game. Yeah. none of them wanted to be there.
4: The hard thing to swallow, right? And this is for me personally, and I probably, a majority of the fans, to be fair, wouldn't have minded not getting the result. And going out of the cup yesterday. But it's the manner in which we've been dumped out of the cup, a cup that we got to the final in last season.
3: Yeah.
4: It's the manner of that defeat and the manner of our exit, which is a very, very bitter pill to swallow. As I said I wouldn't have minded if we'd gone out, you know, having drawn the game, lost on penalties, but actually put in a reasonable performance. It's the manner I just can't stomach.
0: But but it was Parkinson trying to force it. Mm-hmm. So Parkinson needed a result. He was desperate for a result. So yeah. He thought, right, Scunthorpe away. I'm going to put the first team out. We're going to do them, and we're going to get a result, and that's going to go into the national break. And then we've got a good, you know, confidence is up. We've got Coventry in ten days. You know, jobs are good. One. I think but it was
3: catch twenty two. It was catch twenty two. It was he was definitely doing that. But bomb was but right. Nobody it was such a risk.
0: They wanted it to. It was such a risk doing that, yeah. putting that team out. Because look what's happened now, and look at look at everybody's just arguing about everything now because everyone's just mm-hmm. generally angry because we got stuffed at Scunthorpe. Yeah. But he, he didn't need, you know, I don't think he would have been under so much pressure if he hadn't put that team out. It was yeah, just I- a huge risk doing that.
3: If I just hope is. he's learnt his lesson. I hope that he's learnt from it. You know, the, the, the little minor tactical things, but also learnt that things, situations like that are not made for the for the pressure and, and the risk taking. Like you say, it's more a case of let's take a chat, let's take the pressure off them.
0: Let's have a uh, Yeah. I don't think the players a, needed a that game about it. at all. Yeah. I Do mean think- I'm not I'm not defending how the players turned up and what they did and you know that, that the players they did. I'm not gonna defend that because there's no excuse. But I, I don't I, I think the players all needed the to take stock and not play in a, you know, auto windscreens midweek game at Gunthorpe. I'm going off school now.
2: Where Where do you think we go from here, though? Because, I mean, my re- my reflection on just listening to the game last night was, uh, from what you, similar to what you have said, with a full-strength team, that is a horrendous result. And, and if it had been, you know, Mumba in the middle and Kimbioka up front and some of the young lads... Um, who, who haven't featured getting, getting the chance and we've gone out, nobody would be it's, reacting it's the way the that is. Yeah, exa- exactly. So do you, do you think that some of the reaction today has been spot on over the top? Is the criticism being put in the right places? Because there's obviously been a lot of criticism of, of the ownership and I, I don't think they're going to affect exactly what goes on the pitch on a Tuesday night in Scunthorpe, but... Do you, what do you think about that reaction, and, and, and has it been, you know, proportionate? Really, I don't think it's, I don't think it's been in, exaggerated.
4: The the response. I, I think you're quite right in what you said, Rich. Like if you if we'd have put Bali mumba up there, Kimpioka started to give them a, a game, it would set the fans' expectations. That actually, we're not that fussed about this cup, but we're going to give the youngsters a try because we don't know when we might rely on them in League One as, over the course of the season. But Parkinson dug his own grave yesterday by putting out, like I said, pretty much as, as strong a team as he possibly could put out. So that sets the expectation. That sets the, um, you know, the level of seriousness to us as how serious he and the backroom staff and the club are taking this game. And we're playing a team, albeit away, that's struggling in the league below. And the team that he's put out is a team that we're expecting to be challenging at the top of the of League One. So for me as a fan, I'm looking at that, I'm looking at that starting lineup, I'm looking at who we're playing against. And I'm thinking we should be, there's absolutely no excuse for not winning this game. So he he's dug his own grave in that respect. And yes, the players have not delivered. Um, and that's on the players, but I don't think the fans' reaction is unjustified. I said, if he'd have played a load of youngsters but, and actually given the impression that get, we might get a result, but it's not that important, the league's more important, then uh, as a fan, I could have stomached that a little bit better.
0: But yes, what no. you just said there, Bonner, is, is exactly right. Because the, the manager's put, he, he stall out. He said he's stalling that game. He's put that team out. He's, you know, like you said, it's scunthorpe, it's League Two team. It's it's a strong side. And the worrying thing is the players just haven't reacted to him. Mm they haven't reacted at all. They've gone in the opposite direction and just not turned up. And if if a new manager, because, I mean, nine times out of ten, a new manager gets a bit of a new manager bump. You know, he has a bit of a honeymoon. And he's getting none of that. And the players just aren't reacting to him whatsoever for whatever reason, whether they're still hungover off Ross or whether they're not, they they don't rate what Parkinson's trying to put in place. I mean, he's had no time, to be fair. I'm not not kind of putting all the blame Mm. on him to start with. I mean, the players have got to, shoulder some of this but there was absolutely no reaction and as you uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head there he sent a signal to the players to say this is important we need to win this game and they didn't turn up
2: yeah they they didn't react and and there were there were you know there there were one or two extremely experienced players on the pitch there Uh, people like Aidan McGeady um, who is coming in for a, a decent amount of criticism for probably for the first time in his Sunderland career really certainly it, since we've been in League 1 do you think that's fair enough I mean there's a lot of talk of him how he's slowing the the pace of our attacks down John was talking about how they were walking around the pitch last night is there an attitude problem amongst some of our uh, some of our senior players
3: well this is this is my personal worry coming away from last night just touching on what the, the guys have just said as well everything that's come out of the fan base, if you're going to call it that, you know, looking at Twitter and all that kind of thing and the outcry about last night. Whilst I don't really fully agree with the the depths of what people are saying and um, <laughs> and the expletives and all that kind of thing, what I do understand and what I do a kind of agree with is the tone of what Bomber was getting at. This team shouldn't be getting beat by Scunny regardless of attitude, regardless of it being a Tuesday night in Scunthorpe and it being, you know, Tim Pot Cup. Ultimately, the worrying thing following on from this is what's going to happen if that's the similar or same first team at the next game after the international break you know they've just been beaten 3-0 off scunthorpe you know everybody has a right as a fan to be a bit scared about that and and regarding magidi i've been feeling that exact way about him every time i see him on the team sheet for about a month because he hasn't played well for about a month if not longer he's played he's play, he's looked like he's playing 4 out of 10 like he's barely it's, given given enough. It's been longer than a month John I would say Probably,
4: that yeah. this whole season this whole yeah. season yeah. Uh, and arguably in the in the run up to the end of last season and including the playoff final including the checker trade final he's not been that that same player.
0: Well me and um, Danny were
3: talking me and Danny were talking last night about McGeey right and we were saying that he looks like he doesn't want to be here etc etc right if he doesn't want to be here and he's out of contract or whatever at the end of the season I don't know if that's right or whatever I don't know what the ins and outs are someone correct me on that but if he's out of contract or whatever he's looking for a new contract He's, he's old now he's in his 30s and whatever you like in the terms of a footballer right yeah he should be trying his ass off to get a decent contract somewhere else because if we end up staying in league one god forbid at the end of the season and he's playing like he is now and he's not He's not helped us at all to get out of that league because everybody keeps harping on about it. he's the best player in the league and all this kind of thing. If We've got the best player in the league. Should we really be mid-table in League One? Yeah, anyway. no one's going to be picking him out. Exactly, no one's. Got, he's, he's going to have to retire. Basically, we, the culmination of our conversation was he's got to retire at the end of the season if, he, if he's if we're in League One and he hasn't gone anywhere. He's he, he's literally got nowhere to go. Mm. You know, I'd be we'd be ridiculous to give him another contract here, and he would not be able to get one. He'd be playing in the. The Conference South or something. Do you know what I mean, he's 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 just it's not it's not happening.
2: I mean, I I really hope just, he can pick just, it just... up before the January transfer window. Chris, you wanted to come
0: in. Yeah. So just about the attitude thing. I mean, you were talking about that. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw Ledbetter's interview after the game. Yeah. I mean, no, that, I missed it. That, that had me worried. Because I mean, I mean to be fair, he was He looked like he was. Absolutely I thought he was going to cry. Yeah, it looked well. He looked like he wanted to hit someone, to be yeah. honest, or at least he, he maybe just had or something like that. Because he, he was absolutely fuming. But mm. I mean, some of the things he was saying was, I mean, I was quite worried because he didn't mention the new manager once. And you know, he's he's again, uh, we're on a bad run. We've just had that result. He's just had a bad performance. But not once was it kind of oh yeah we you know we we'll want to get started for this new manager and you know the, the things that you'd expect a captain to say to come out and say you know we're all behind him we just need to get you know results started and it but it was none of that it was all hinting it um, we need to stick together and there shouldn't be little groups and all of this sort of stuff and nobody mentioned little groups breaking off but he seemed to want to bring that up. Well, it, it might it,
4: be that it might be that Parkinson has come in and actually told some of those players a few home truths in that they haven't been doing well enough. And some of the bigger players might with the bigger egos might have got their backups at that, not like being told how it is and that it's not been good enough and that you're better than League One, but you're not showing it. So buck your ideas up and they might have got their ass out because of that.
0: That interview after had me more worried <laughs> than the actual result because he just kept he seemed to hint that just things weren't good, you yeah. know, on the training ground behind the scenes. And he, he was trying to get everyone together which suggests at the minute they're not
2: well that's uh, that that's um Scunthorpe united dealt with it, i think um <laughs> uh, we'll have to move on i'm sure we might we might come back to it you never know this evening no, we we rec- <laughs> we recorded on um wednesday evening um about an hour or so after Stuart donald just finished an extended interview in as it turned out to be on bbc newcastle um this evening and in the aftermath of Charlie Mepfin appearing on uh, rope report at the weekend. And I want to talk a little bit about the investment and, and where we're at with it, because things seem to have been clarified to a certain extent this evening. Um, it's, it's now clear that it's uh, a loan that we're talking about. We're talking about a 10 million pound loan from, um, the American trio, if not, um, uh, four of them, uh, to uh, to Madrox, which is the holding company for the club, um, secured against the club's assets as well as shares, which was uh, an interesting part of what uh, Donald said. He said it was a belt and braces approach from the Americans uh, in terms of wanting to make sure that they uh, got their money back. And and Donald was putting it out there as, as almost risk-free for the club, that all the risk has been carried by himself, Guantatori and Charlie Metfen. Who listened to that interview or has been able to catch up on the on the main points of it and what are your perspectives on that investment that takeover, which was then an investment, which is now a, a loan?
4: You go, you go, yeah, All right. So I was going to say, I listened, I listened to it live, and first and foremost, I thought it was a it was a brilliant interview. Whether you're a fan of Stuart Donald and what he's doing or whether you're not, you cannot argue the fact that he was putting under a bit of pressure there for the good part of forty five minutes. And it was a brilliant interview. He answered, I think he answered truthfully. He answered things honestly. I think my opinion on it, at risk of being too simplistic in it, I couldn't really give a shit if it was a a loan and whether it was a loan to Madrox or it was a loan to Sunderland and whether if Stuart Donald doesn't make those repayments, the investors come and actually take over the club. We're we're talking about £10 million in a club that two seasons ago was over £150 million in debt to to Ellis Short. So, you know, in in the grand scheme of things, I don't care where that money's come from or what happens with it. And I don't think the fans should do. And I had a little bit of a rant on Twitter about it afterwards because he's come in for an awful lot of abuse, Stuart Donald has. And it winds me up so much that fans call him a chancer and this, that and the other, And they are unable to separate the performances on the pitch to how Stuart Donald runs the business that is Sunderland Football Club. And if you were to take the footballing aside from it and look at it as a business, he has taken a business that was hundreds of million pounds in the hole, losing money hand over fist, and has taken the time and the effort and some of his money, and irrespective of where that's come from, there's people crying about him using the club's own money to fund it. Bollocks. He has taken the club to a point in which it was probably going to cease to exist at some point and has and has got us to where we are today. And people cannot separate that from the results on the pitch. And because things aren't going the way that we all want on the pitch, all of a sudden it's Stuart Donald, it's Charlie Methven's fault, their chances, they're trying to make a quick buck, this, that and the other. It's quite clear that he is not, and he wants to do what is isn't the best for the the region of the northeast and for all people like me who who aren't from the northeast but are Sunderland fans. He is trying to do the best for each and every one of us, and it it winds me up so much. The fans that go at him personally and cannot separate the results on the pitch. He didn't sign Will Grigg knowing that he wouldn't perform for us. He didn't think, oh, I'm going to go spend four million pounds of our money now and just waste it. He signed Will Grigg. Under quite a bit of pressure, let's not forget, from the fans to say, oh, this is the signing that we want. And all right, it hasn't worked out. Is that Stuart Donald's fault? No. And there's just a number of other things that he has done in the best interest of the club. And because it's what the majority of the fans wanted, and because it's not turned out the way he wanted to in terms of results on the pitch, he's a figure of hate for, albeit a minority, but a very vocal minority of our fan base. And it's embarrassing, in my view. It is embarrassing. I
3: think, I think at this, I think at this point, we just need to put a disclaimer out that Bomber doesn't work for Stuart Donald, and <laughs> no. um, a rogue report don't work for Stuart <laughs> Donald, and. But- uh, but we do yeah. have opinions of each side of this. Um, yeah, don't think, get
4: me wrong. I think he, I think if things aren't, don't go smoothly, he should be held accountable oh, on the business side, Sunderland as a business. But he cannot be held accountable for things that happen on the pitch. And no. it's all right to look back in hindsight and go, Oh well, we got got rid of Jack Ross and got in Phil Parkinson. Ninety percent of the fan base wanted Jack Ross gone. Stuart yeah. Donald did it. They got their wish, and now because things haven't improved, all of a sudden it's Stuart Donald's fault for getting rid
3: of Jack Ross. Well, it's I, blame 100% it's a yeah. blame game. It's, yeah, exactly. it's, we're looking, we're looking for people to point the fingers at, and we've ne- we've never been in a situation. Well, uh, we have been in situations like this in the past, but it feels like a lot of these fans don't understand that this isn't the first time, and they're feeling like it's the first time where they can't find answers. There isn't an easy answer. You know, they're looking at what's on the pitch. We're getting beat 3-0 off thought, well, it's got to be someone's fault. Do you know what I mean? And new manager, they get a bit of grace. Maybe they're just flying it, Stuart, for that reason. I think you're exactly right though, Bomber, everything you've said regarding the 10 million, regarding what he's done to the club. It's really easily forgotten that we could have really easily ceased to exist at any point. And and that's going forward in the future. What Stuart's quite easily and simplistically outlined in his interview, I think, is that even if it doesn't work out and even if he does make a load of mistakes, because I think he does put his hand up and say he's made mistakes a lot, but Mm. he's probably going to make some more even if it does happen that way with regards to what's happening with the team on the pitch what he has done is stabilize the club and ultimately the 10 million investment from you know outside sources you know openly saying that whatever happens he could put he could give the 10 million back himself etc cetera, etc cetera. the transparency whether you believe it or not is absolutely spot on with regards to the fact that We've never had that before. don't think many clubs have had that before. And uh, we wouldn't know that we were close to ceasing trading. We wouldn't know that he'd saved the club unless he was so open about it. So we've got a lot to be thankful for. We've got to remember that. I think that there's no problem with questioning what he's doing with regards to the things that he does around the club, as long as it's sort of with credence, you know, like there's people questioning the the Greg side of things and the sort of like logistical side of things regarding the club and all that kind of thing. But people make mistakes, like humans make mistakes. It's It's not his, like you say, it's not his entire fault here. Like he's done what he thinks is right for the club and he's quite happy and honest as a human to say, I might have made a mistake there. Do you know what I mean? And Mm. I think that's massively important for me. It's massively important for me as a Sunderland fan as well because would you rather it be completely silent? Would you rather it be... You think things are happening. You you know you 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 are gesturing and you're thinking somebody. Ellis Short's done this. Ellis Short's done that. Martin Bain's done this, but you have no idea what's happening. Do you know what I mean? It's like at least we kind of know where we stand a little bit, even if you don't really believe it. You know something. Something's being said. You know it's it's. It, I think it's massively refreshing, regardless. And I think people have got a understand the situation better and not just look for a blame game you know we're shit on the pitch not because of him like you say when we're shit on the pitch not because of um a lot of other people it's not just stuart donald and charlie Methven. you know there's people getting the blame like the media team and people like that and other other sort of like areas of the club that are getting the blame for things that they haven't yeah. had anything any part of it's really weird at the moment that's the sort of attitude and feeling around the ground and around the club
0: chris i don't disagree with, with you know with everything Have said that I mean I agree with 99% of it, but just when you say you know not not everything's his fault and I I agree with that, but you know Stuart Donald is the owner of the club and he's putting things in place and he's he's making decisions. You know, like you said, he, he made the decision to pull the plug on Jack Ross. Fair enough, and most people agreed with that. But it's then his job to make the right decision afterwards. We can't decide right now whether he has made the right decision, but you can't say. That in the short time Parkinson's had, he's moved us forward. I mean, it might turn out to be the, the best decision in the world, but you can see that the fan base, you know, the, the morale of the fan base went down when he made that appointment. Rightly or wrongly, you know, whether you agree with that or not. That was just fact. People took a hit. And then, you know, as you know, and um, kind of modern day with every, with anything, everyone just gets angry about everything. With the results, it just means that it just spirals into everything else. If we were top of the league and we, we'd stuffed Scunthorpe the other night, people wouldn't be asking these questions of Donald and Methrin and Sotori. Nobody would be even mentioning it. But all of this would have only been a few people on Twitter going, oh, look at this. Has anyone seen this, this paperwork that's come out today?" day? Nobody would have questioned it. But he's made the decisions. He's put things in place. He, you know, he pushed you know things last season on on recruitment he's put those people in place so yeah look i completely agree i think he's been good i think he's done a good job to put us on an even keel from where we were but he, and he'd be the first to say that he doesn't escape criticism for some of the decisions he's made
4: so i think just just to caveat that just to finish because i'm aware that i went on a bit of a rant there like I 100% agree that he should be held accountable. He's, he's owner of the football club, like you quite rightly said, Chris. He's, he's owner of the football club. So ultimately, the buck stops with him. And he'll be the first person to admit that. And if it, he's the person, I, I assume there's a number of people that were involved in the decision of, to appoint Phil Parkinson. So he needs to be held accountable for that, particularly when there were other people who mo- most fans would argue would be more suited for the role. Um, so he should be held accountable for that. But the thing that frustrates me is people look back and are a bit kind of revisionist about it and said, "Oh wow, we're no better off than than when we had Ross." And people on Twitter saying, "Oh, can we get? Is it too late to get Jack Ross back in?" Those are the same people that, you know, four, five, six weeks ago were were crying for him to
0: to, to Stuart John to to, yeah. to get rid of it. Yeah, But but I was the same. I, I, I thought you know Ross's time had come. But you know, I, I actually thought Ross did a really good job, and you know, put, given time. But I just thought, with the way the fans were failing, I don't think he was going to come back from that. Or it was going to take some subhuman effort from the players to actually go on a run that kept him in a job. But the problem is, from that point, you take the decision to sack him, which is fair enough. But then you have to do a good job on the recruitment side to get the right yeah. person in. Yeah, it it, has, to be, like it has to it's be. It has to be worth balance. it. It has. You have to. If you're making decisions like that, you have to make it worth it, because it's a tough decision. Yeah. Because I think Jack Ross was almost a guaranteed playoff finish. I mean, you you might be talking fifth, you might be talking sixth, whatever, but I think he was a guaranteed playoff finish. So it was a toss of the coin and you have to make it worthwhile. You have to you, you don't get many shots at it because you can't keep sacking Parkinson and you you're pretty much stuck with Parkinson unless you do something drastic. So if you but if you pull the trigger on someone like Ross who was more or less gonna get you in the mix, you have to make it worthwhile. And I'm not sure he did.
3: Well, I think I think the the the, the decision of sacking him was about balance and realism, and I think that's the overarching thing about the whole conversation as well. Effectively, Jack, by the sounds of things, and by the sounds of what's happening now, had his um, members of the squad, groups of the squad that really backed him. You know, you're hearing all this about McGeady thinking Parky's crap and he misses Ross, and he's just in a hump because of that. But and then Ledbetter's interview last night, you know, that spoke volumes if you ask me about. Not, he's not convinced he's not convinced about Parker yet but the whole sort of like club ownership and running this is what I'm getting this is what I was getting at I wasn't backing Donald like the same as we all have I guess really this one thing we've kind of semi-agreed on I'm not backing him as saying he's, he's brilliant he's perfect um, what I'm trying to say is I think the people who are hammering him and especially on a personal level need to understand that it's about balance and realism here like he has made mistakes but he's also done a hell of a lot for the club that you know, we wouldn't have a club to be supporting if it wasn't for. And yeah, you don't, you don't score points. You don't, you don't think, oh, because he's done that, let's give him loads of leeway. You constantly question things, but you do it in the right way. You, know, you do it as a proper fan. You do it in the sense of questioning things in a normal human way. Don't just jump on any old sort of horrific bandwagon about, you know, how he's a, cha- he's a chancer and he's trying to skim money off when you have no idea. Of what he's actually doing, and you have no clue of what his motives are or whatever. You know, and, it's like, sorry, go
0: ahead, Chris. I was just kidding, on on that. I don't really get that argument either because let, let's say let's say the right. Let's say he is a chancer. Well, he's even if he's only in it to make money, which to be honest, I wouldn't blame him for anyway. You know, he might be doing it because he really loves football and all that sort of stuff. But there's a fair chance he's in it for the money, which is which is fine. I don't I don't really care about that. But to make that money and to be successful in being a chancer, he needs Sunderland to be successful. Yeah. So even if you think he's a chancer, and even if you think he's only enough of the money, I I don't care. Because he still has to get to the same place. With Even if he loves Sunderland and does it for the love of the game, he still has to get to the same point.
4: Yeah, irrespective
3: of what his motives are, the club needs to be successful. Yeah, the same people who are calling him a chancer are the same people who are saying that he's done a terrible job at running the club and we're doing rubbish because of him. It's like, they don't go together like he's trying to earn money from this club if he is a chancer. If you're calling him a chancer and he wants to earn profit, he's not going to earn any profit by driving it into the ground. No. Yeah.
0: Well, Fair enough. I hope he makes some money out of us. Yeah. <laughs> well, from
2: my perspective, um, listening, again, just thinking about the interview this evening, I think what was really telling, actually, was, was you know, Stuart always comes over as a, pre- as a pretty decent fella as a decent bloke you know and he was talking about how the fact he's, he's had to take time out to deal with his family to 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 look after his parents you know we're talking about human beings here and I think online a lot of people often forget that it's, it's easy behind the keyboard to be vitriolic and and nasty about people but I mean that but people do have good reason for being frustrated and I think confused and and I I finished listening to the interview with Charlie Metphan, a little bit confused about what what the structure of this, this deal, this investment deal was. I thought Charlie's answers were not necessarily easy to understand, shall we say. But I think Stuart actually um clarify quite a lot of that in in today's interview. I mean, we'll all be waiting for our checks to come through. Obviously, after after backing them as much as we have, <laughs> have done here, yeah, we'll be watching my bank account we'll, very very closely. But I'd um, be happy. i
3: be happy with some free books. That'll do. Ah,
0: yeah. that would be nice. Yeah. Nice. So um, you're right there, Roy Rich. We we did need tonight. Stuart Donald needed yeah. to come out. It, we needed that. Yeah, we needed some clarification because you know Charlie Miffin muddied the waters a little bit. And I think you know, like you said, he had a good reason for his absence. And fair play to him, you know, he's you know, like you said, we've all got families, we've all got things to do. But fair play from for coming out tonight. I think the club, the fans needed that he has some clarification, and he came out and did it. So fair play to him.
2: Hi. So we're going to move on now. Uh, Earlier this evening, I spoke to Jill Fox from the East Midlands Supporters Association. It was a a nice chat I had with Jill, and here she is now. So, hi there, Jill. You okay?
1: Hi, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Thanks to you.
2: Nice one. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm recovering from the, the the game last night, but um, you know, we'll get over it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it wasn't good, was it? Um, but uh, so I'm guessing from your accent, Joe, we've had a chat before we started recording that you are um you're originally from the northeast, but now you're down in the East Midlands. You can tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, uh, so I'm originally from Crook in County Durham. Um, and I moved down to Nottingham basically for work um, in 2000. So been down here quite a while, get back up to Sunderland as often. Well, I've got a season ticket, so every few weeks to see Sunderland play again. But other than that, that's pretty much all I go back up home for, if I'm honest. And do
2: you get to away games as well?
1: Not, not as much, which is weird, because to be fair, it'd be easier to get to all the away games than it would to the home games.
2: Yeah, especially <laughs> when you've got a season ticket, you get you get priority, don't you?
1: So, but, but I think uh, I think I'd be divorced if I went to every game.
2: <laughs> I, th- I think I would be in exactly the same position. I've been going to a lot a lot of away games from our our base over here in Wales uh, uh, this season. Not that many home games, um, but we should get to a few more over Christmas hopefully. So, um, can you tell me a little bit about the history of the the sports association in the East Midlands and, and kind of what you get up to?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're really new, so we're a little bit just kind of building the branch at the minute. Um, so we kind of started Ian, who's the chairman. He kind of started it earlier on this year and gradually built it up. And I think it was in about August time we had our first branch meeting and kind of got a committee together and did all like the bank account and all like the, the proper setup of it. We've been doing that, and we've got I think we've got about twenty odd members at the minute. So we're just kind of trying to. Get in place, like whether people want buses to the ground, stuff like that. So at the minute we don't do a great deal, but obviously the more people we can get involved, the more we'll be doing.
2: It's good to get 20, 20 members from a standing start. is is really good. In, yeah, it's all right. in, a, in Any group. So I
1: think there's a, there's a lot of us down here. To be fair, there, there are, is a it's lot.
2: It's not that it's not that far out of the way really from the northeast. I mean, my my um, auntie lived in Nottingham for a, a very long time. Uh, I think there are a few. I think there were a lot of people moved down uh, for work over the years yeah.
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: and a lot of kind of connections between the two areas in terms of industry and stuff, isn't there?
1: Definitely. I think a lot of like mining people moved down back in the day, didn't they?
2: Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think my, my dad had a job interview down in Nottingham at one point uh, as the mines were closing. So um, <laughs> so, you've, so you've got those connections. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so you, you said you haven't uh, managed to get, um, together to to go to games yet, yeah, and you are new, so that's totally understandable. So how do yeah. you how do you follow matches when you're when you're not going to the stadium? How how are you following the away games?
1: Uh, we have got the SAFC app, so we tend I tend to either watch or listen on there, depending obviously whether I've got the time.
2: Yeah, <laughs> to I, I'm using. watch it. I'm using that as well. I've got the audio subscription, and it, and it's yeah. it's not always the most stable of uh, apps, I have to say.
1: No, you go on to anything else on your phone, and the gap just dies. Which I don't want to whinge about suddenly because there's enough to whinge about. But they could do with sorting that out.
2: <laughs> it is, it isn't great. I mean, and and for exiles, you know, for people who live in away from the northeast, we can't get the match commentaries on BBC Newcastle. Yeah. We rely, we rely, and we pay extra. You know, mm. uh, to 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 follow the club. Um and and you know there has been occasions when I think one time they played in a completely different episode of um total sport when i was trying to listen the other week it seemed to have a kind of a Newcastle castle uh, yeah. so yeah to sort that out would be would be i think a priority for them so do you have any events trips meetups planned are, are you at that stage yet
1: yeah, I mean, we were, due, we were due to have a meeting a couple of weeks ago, but loads of people had to pull out with work and kids and all the rest of it. So I think we're, we're planning one pretty soon, but we just don't have a date in place mm-hmm. yet. But I mean, if anyone wanted to to join us, obviously, if they go on to Twitter or what have you, then we'll be putting the date on there. So I think we've got a Facebook group, we've got a Twitter group. I think it's um, SFC east midlands um, and then obviously everything goes on the twitter group so if anyone's interested join us on there and get yourselves along
2: i'll uh tweet at you later as well um oh, and we'll get, get that out through through well through my twitter and i'm i'm sure the lads who control our twitter council will, uh, will, will give you as a retweet too um so people in uh, the east midlands can join in where 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 have you met up so far, because there's a few there's a few towns and cities um in these Midlands, and it's, it's a reasonably big area. Where have you been meeting?
1: We tend to stick to Nottingham because that seems to be where the majority of us are based, and it's pretty much the easiest for everyone to get to. It's got a few people in Lincoln, a few in Leicestershire, Derbyshire. So kind of nottingham is a bit more central for for everyone, really. And like I say, most of us are in Nottingham, I think.
2: We've got our own little cluster of Sunderland fans uh, and, and exile uh, podcasters in Lincoln. Um, and uh, we've got one, ones on, on this pod uh, with us today, John. Um, yeah. Again, I, I won't be very happy after last night's result, and 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 I think you, you've you been in touch with Danny as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was a, a lot of chat on our uh, local group chat last night. We've got, like, a WhatsApp group. So, again, if anyone wants to join us, obviously ping us your details and we'll get you on that. But, yeah, I, I was out last night and um, got onto my phone later on, and I think I had about 105 messages and i kind of saw that before i saw the result and just thought oh for god's sake <laughs> the joy I, of the fan.
2: absolutely absolutely well um hopefully uh things will will um be on an upward trajectory after the international break let's let's <laughs> fingers crossed for that um so thanks a lot for your time this this evening jill and we might meet up at some point in the future and yeah. uh yeah
1: yeah, thanks for having us. It's been lovely to All be. right.
2: Thanks a lot, Jill.
1: Thank Cheers. Thank you very much.
2: Cheers. It was nice to hear of, of a new branch getting started up, and hopefully um, they'll keep in touch with us and we'll, and we'll bring get some of their meetups and, and other events that they're doing to you and for fans in the East Midlands area. And we're going to move on now to our regular feature, Martin Wanless's Playing Away game. Uh, it's now turned into a, a league amongst us exiles. If I get the uh, rules of this right, I'll be very surprised with myself. But I'll introduce the game that we're, we're going to be uh, we're going to be discussing. Our bit of a nos- nostalgic look back at some more positive times, and this really was a positive time for Sunderland. I keep choosing these. We're talking about a game on the 14th of November 2010. We are talking about Sunderland playing away from home against Premier League champions, who at the time were Chelsea. And we won that game 3-0. We had Steve Bruce as manager. Chelsea, as I say, were champions. We finished the game in sixth position. And just, just for reference on this, Bolton at the time were fifth in, in uh, the Premier League. Oh, the that time. is a world ago then, isn't it? It really is. And it does show you that we, you know we're not unique in this. But we are talking about the 2010 Steve Bruce squad we are um 3-0 away at chelsea and um there was some well there was one particularly excellent goal scored in this game and that might be a bit of a clue to you so i'm going to go through i'm going to start with john cuz that's what i've got oh. on my list we're going to start with john and
3: you so
2: you get rules on this game i'm going to get my the rules up on my screen so each player takes turns to name a player you get two lives or so two Incorrect answers each. After that, you're out. Uh, if you name a sub, you have another goal. Um, and the last man standing gets two points in our league. If more than one player is still in after the last player is named in the starting 11, everyone else, everyone who's left in the game gets a point in our league. So I'm going to come to you first, John. Um,
3: right. You
2: can start anywhere in this starting lineup. It's oh. 2010, no Googling. Um, no Mark Lynch
3: is in this I, I don't think it's going
4: to be my first guess
3: oh sorry <laughs> so the thing for me on, right, right. I, I'd have probably been alright if I'd not gone first because I needed someone to set me off a bit with thinking about the teams and the squads um, so I'm definitely going to lose a life here but I'm going to try and play a little bit safe I say a little bit safe, probably going to get laughed at straight away um, Asamojian
2: Asmogian, yes, you've got it. Yeah, oh. that's a that's a, that's a correct. Oh, brilliant. so um, so you got Asmogian up front in that game? Absolutely. So that's oh, well, one correct to John. We move that's on I'm
3: to. Get me I'm off. See you later. Bye. Well,
2: oh, yeah, that's your moment of glory. <laughs> right, <laughs> bomber. So we've got we've got the striker. We've got Asmogian.
4: Well, I've got I've got two that I think two easy ones. and Jam wasn't one of them. So I'm going to play an easy card and I'm going to go Jordan Henderson.
2: Jordan Henderson. Yes, indeed. Correct. He was actually just being called up for England the week before for his uh, his first inclusion in the England squad. So that's how far we're going back now as a mainstay of the team now. So yeah, that's a good answer. Jordan Henderson playing in midfield. Yeah.
0: Chris, we come to you. I was actually on my... Honeymoon in the Caribbean. <laughs> so the
2: so you'll know it. You will have been following it. Clearly, yeah, you must have watched the game. Surely. I, I,
0: uh, <laughs> no, I was on a. I was on a cruise ship going around the Caribbean. I remember reading it in the papers. Show off. Ah, there you go. <laughs> right. Well, oh, I'm just going to go with an easy one. Easy one. Easy one for ten. Uh, Catamol has to be in. Oh no. <gasps>
2: Catamol is correct. Playing that in was midfield. My error. Ah, uh, that's the other one. That was well, the we... easy one I have <laughs> So we come back to you for round two, John. Uh, who are you going to go oh, for? God. Oh God.
3: Uh, I really haven't got a clue. Let me think. I'm going to say something so wrong here. Why am I so scared of this and nervous? Um, <laughs> was that the season that Jan played up front with Benti? Darren Bent.
2: No, Bent wasn't there. Oh. Bent is is not in the squad, so that's um, one life lost for John. I'll put a little X next to your name, and you only got one left. Brilliant. All right, bomber. So if uh, if we now know we can rule out Darren Bent, yeah.
4: So I'm going to go and try and guess the goalkeeper because I think that's probably going to be the most likely to be an eat. Not an easy guess, but it's going to be one of a couple. So Minule or Gordon. Craig Gordon.
2: Craig Gordon. That's right. He was in goal that day. You're you're two for none. Um, Bomber oh, Thank you. In the second round and and Chris, this is your, your chance to keep up with Bonner. So we've uh, we've got the goalkeeper, we've got two midfielders and a, and a striker.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I know the other two goal scorers, so I'm going to keep them in my back pocket. Oh. And I'm going to go for what I think is another easy one around this time, unless he was. Injured or suspended or something? Um, do I chance it? Ah, yeah, go on. Oh,
2: Bardsley, Bardsley was out right back. That's right. Yeah, of course. Back, right? yep, of course. course. I was yeah.
3: going to say
4: Bardsley. So
2: you're two, f- two for You now. didn't, John. <laughs> so John, John, you have to keep yourself in the game with a with a good answer here, and you are oh, running out of no. players.
3: Who've we had so far? Could
2: you we've that? had we've had Craig D- Gordon, uh, yeah. Phil Bardsley, Jordan Henderson, Lee Catamall and Asamoah Gian. Right.
3: Um, Zenden.
2: Zenden. Great answer. That's yeah, what that I, was yeah, I was expecting. I was expecting people end. to fall down on Zenden, but yeah, that's it. He's still Whew. hanging in there, John. I just
3: remember him dancing with Gian, but I probably, was that the same game or was it a different game, but he was
2: dancing with him? When, oh, it it
3: the might. embarrassing dance. Yeah. The dad
4: dance.
2: <laughs> There's actually a video of this game on the Premier League.com and I'll try and tweet, tweet it out later on. Yeah, Zendin was there. So we'll move Brilliant. on to Bomber. You've kept yourself in the game, John. Bomber, you are you are still level pegging with uh, Chris here.
4: So I I haven't honestly haven't got a clue who the other striker would be. So I'm going to stay in the back four. So we've got Craig Gordon, goalkeeper. Phil Bardi, right back. El Mohamedy, left back?
2: No, but you get another go because he was on the bench. Oh, he's on the bench.
4: Okay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I can't. I can't even think.
2: Oh, um, Richardson. Richardson, there you go. Yeah. Excellent call. Yeah, Richardson was there. I'm sure playing at the back in that game. Looking at the lineup,
4: I just I th- couldn't think of anyone else who'd ever played left back for a minute.
2: <laughs> well, there, there you go. So, so Chris, you're running out of options here. This is the uh, the look well, of the draw with you coming third in the in the in the lineup here. So, uh,
0: I've got. I only. I'm only confident on two more. So I'm going to use one of my one of the goal scorers up, Danny Danny Welbeck.
2: Danny Welbeck, yes. Oh my up God, front. yeah! What a strike force was my thought yeah. <laughs> was was John and Welbeck. I
0: mean, was this was this supposed to make us happy or make us more depressed about where we are now? I think it's probably going to have the uh, <laughs> think, the, the latter
2: back effect. Backfired. Back you got that right.
3: So John, we're back with you, and still with one life left. Depressed. Yeah, this is where I become depressed and I lose the game. Um, uh, right, spanner in the works. I'm gonna stick a name out there. Titus Bramble.
2: He was in the lineup. That's oh. a great call. He's hanging in there. This is going down right the way. Everyone's sure. gonna come away with one point here. So uh, Titus Bramble was there. I'm struggling now. Um, just go through. We've had so we've had Gordon Bardsley, Richardson. Bramble, Zendon, Henderson, catamol Wellbeck, and Jean. Basically you've got one you've got two players to go for. So well, only, there's, there's only one left t- in
4: that back four, then is there? There's, there's only one
2: problems. left in the back four, and there's one
4: I think was
2: in playing in midfield. Oh god. Um, um Oh God.
4: Um
2: Has in anyone midfield, got- Mal Bring- no, he's on the bench. You've done it again, so you get another guess. God, We might have to count you down here though.
4: I'll I'll pass then to try and buy some time to think of someone.
2: Else. Are you sure you're gonna lose a life? Are you sure?
4: I can't, I can't think I can't even think of a name, mate, let alone well somebody who might be in the
2: team. If Chris has got if Chris has got another goal scorer in his back pocket,
0: um yeah, I've got the other goal scorer. Because I'll, I'll always remember it. he waltzed through the middle like, like Pele. It was Nedum Anua. It was
2: Nedum Anua. Honestly, looking at that goal back now, brilliant. you're like,
0: absolutely Oh brilliant. my god. How did and he we, do that? It was wasn't wasn't that the third? Was that the third goal? I think it was. Yeah. Well, I couldn't believe it when I yeah. saw it back. Outstanding goal. It took about and, five players on and walked right into the box and just slotted it on. Brilliant.
2: It was brilliant, wasn't it? Fantastic. So we're we're back with you, John. You're on your last life, right. which is which is the downside of going first, because you've got to pick. Yeah, uh, you've got to get the last player here.
3: So read through them again for a Rich.
2: So um, in goal, uh, Craig Gordon, defence of Phil Bardsley, Kieran Richardson, Titus Bramble, and A.N. Other, and then we've got Zenden Henderson, Catamol, Anua, Welbeck, and Jean. So I've given you that it's a defender we're missing, which my, you could probably deduce. It's Michael Turner. Get
3: in there.
2: And it's one on. point, one point all round. He pulled it out of the bag at the sound? last minute. One, is that one point for all three of us? I think so. Even though Chris didn't get one wrong, possibly uh, he, he'll be ahead on goal difference then. <laughs> having, having, having not conceded.
3: I was actually I was actually thinking of Turner as we were going through it, and then I thought, nah, nah, it's not gonna be it. And then when Chris said onward I was like, he didn't Turner didn't play Turner didn't play and then you gave it away when you were like on the oh, midfield. Oh, see yeah. when, like, see when Rich, when, center back, when Rich said centre
4: back. When Rich said centre back, I was thinking, it might if it had got round, right, well, it wouldn't have got round right to me, I guess. But I was going to go Anton Ferdinand and then I'd probably I'd have lost. No, you. you
2: I think. Hang Strategic on, let me sense. check. Let me let me check. I was struggling I after that. You might have ended up with another um player on the bench. No, you didn't. No, he wasn't there. The other substitutes, for anyone who's interested, were um, Simone Mingley. Uh Angelieri, De da Silva again. I'm not absolutely oh, sure Carlo da Silva. Silva.
4: Paulo da Silva.
2: Oh, yeah. Silva. Great
4: player.
2: Um, <laughs> Adams, no idea. No. Nope. Mulbronk Rivieros.
0: What's
2: his first name? Uh, it, I can't even click through him. Uh, he wasn't mm. wasn't known to the to the um BBC at that point back in <laughs> And they also got El Mohammed's name wrong on the t- on the uh, on the website <laughs> as well. But just 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 to give a bit of context, and we're, we've we've been on a while. We give a bit of context. Their strikers were Nicholas and and Didier Drogba. Oh. They had Ashley Cole in the side. Petr Cech on the bench. They had Kalu. They had Van Arnold on the bench and Salah. Um, and we 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 bossed that game. Fifty three percent possession. Nine attempts on target. Ten off target. Absolutely hammered them. That's Salah. Salah. That's Salah.
0: Yeah. That, was 10 years years that that's 10 is years this
2: ago is it, are we talking a different Salah?
0: That, Possibly. yeah he's, he's yes, only 24-25 <laughs> so uh, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: 16 year old, year old. <laughs> not, not more Salah than then. no I don't think so absolutely not right well you put me right Thank, <laughs> thankfully otherwise I would have been getting a social media storm on that <laughs> but,
4: and because, um, because this has been too joyful just to bring it back round uh, to the, the misery that we're going through at the minute that's the season that we lost 5-1 to Newcastle as well wasn't it? Yeah, I think oh, well I'm, done, Bomber. Yeah, just to just to dampen everyone's spirits, just to finish off.
2: I don't think that one will come up on um, on <laughs> playing away at any point this season. But well done for every, all of you uh, for getting your getting your point there, um, Chris. Kind of wins on goal difference, I think. But uh, you can take uh, the was, moral victory, Chris. It's fine. It was a good performance all round. A good draw performance all, all right. round. So. Um, finally just one quick branch update uh, from our friends at um the north american supports association nasa they have their next meeting well their next uh, meetups linked to the coventry city game on the 23rd of november which i'm sure we're all looking forward to with great anticipation after last night and uh, they are going to be meeting up in new york city i think in their regular base in new york probably and also in Ontario, in uh, Canada. You can go to safcnasa.com for all the details of that. Thanks again to um, Jill Fox for her time earlier from the East Midlands Sports Association. And thanks to you, lads. And uh, onwards and upwards, you know, it can, it can only get better from here.
4: Yeah, can we play a bit of uh, 80s on the way out? Things can only get better.
3: <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> I can't. I well, we don't need to now. You've said. Well, I know we you don't, don't need <laughs> to now. Well, thanks, if we can thanks. get the karaoke version. <laughs> it's been very cathartic for me. This has been very lovely to get it on. Absolutely. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the yeah. Watching, we Nick can to move Rich. on. We can.
2: Yep. We can all move on now. We can all move on. So lovely to speak to you all, lads. Um, keep well and uh, speak soon.
3: Cheers, Cheer Rich. Rich.